Hello, it is Rochelle and Carter. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I always, I feel like a like an old-time radio announcer at the beginning of this. Hello, <laughs> Rochelle and Carter here. Thanks for listening and breaking news with the Fireside Chat with FDR. But then if you were going to do old-timey radio, you'd have to have like the sound effects that they would do. Yeah, do a little crackle. <laughs> so I can talk over the crackle and then make sound effects when I tell the story, okay? As I was washing my car, okay, a neighbor stop drove up. Stop okay, it, all stop. right, all right. Yeah. You know, speaking of old time radio, do you remember the song Monday, Monday? I do remember, remember that? that, yeah. Okay, so for the mamas and the papas, that song. And every time I hear the term Maundy Thursday, <laughs> it takes me there. Yeah. Which is like, it's probably some might consider that a, a negative thing. What? Monday, Thursday is like a super important day in our faith as Jesus followers, but that's where I go with it. And that's okay. I it's don't okay. really remember the phrase. I think maybe it depends on your denomination. And mm -hmm. um, I, I don't remember what it, I mean, ever saying that, honestly. Monday, Thursday. I, I, my dad, I grew up in a house where my dad would rather have a book given to him as a present than anything else. Mm -hmm. He is a guy who would eat Bible concordances for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He loves this stuff. And so that that was my childhood, and he wanted us to be as informed as possible. And I really appreciate that later because the Bible is filled with symbolism and meaning. And it takes you that much deeper if you go there. But if you don't know the wordology around it, if you don't know the word, then it's like, well, how can it be meaningful to me? So I, I don't I don't want to sound at all like, oh, I'm so I know so much. No, it's because my dad would read all this stuff and he would share it. But Mondi, I looked it up just a second ago. It's it's from the Latin. It means command. And especially at Monday, Thursday, Jesus was commanding us to love one another. I mean, this was his last few moments with the disciples mm. before going to the cross and dying for them, for us, for everyone, for all time. And he's like, what do I want to say? This is the most important stuff. And he showed us in action what the most important stuff could be for each other. And he told us to love one another. And that was the command he really wanted to emphasize. So that is meaning command. That's where we get it from Monday, Thursday. This is the day before he dies on the cross. And so mm -hmm. like you said, what, what he was saying, this is when you uh, participate in communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, the first communion, Eucharist, yeah. yeah, it's the first communion, and so you know the the this is my body, this is my blood, and then of course he would later be betrayed by who we were talking about on the last episode, Judas. Mm -hmm. And so, what does this day look like? They have prepared the room. They go. Was there anything that that we need to get to before they they are in that room? Well, they, Jesus once again, you know, like when he sent them to find the donkey. Yeah, yeah, the one that he was going to ride and go into Jerusalem on. It's one of those things where he sees it before it happens and he's telling him, he's like, okay, go into the city. You're going to see a donkey tethered there. One gospel account says there's a, a mother and a colt. Um, but he tells his a couple disciples, okay, go into this place. You're going to see this guy, follow the guy, say, do you have a room? My master has need of us, you know, we're ready to, to come and have our mm -hmm. Um, this was a Passover meal is what it was. And it, it was a celebration meal of what happened in Moses's time during the days of Egypt and Pharaoh when they were commanded, the Israelites were commanded um, 
to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their of their home so that the death angel would pass. Um, and that's where this this came from. So they would go and as a good Jewish person would celebrate Passover, they were ready for this celebration. This room was prepared. And then that's, yeah. So they, they follow this guy. They get stuff ready. Jesus and the rest of the disciples follow and they come into this room. And the very first part of the story is always... I think it's a favorite for me anyway, because it's such an incredible reminder about service and what I'm supposed to be doing as a follower of Christ, because I, as a, as a Padawan, if you will, (laughs) which is a Jedi term, Yeah. but as a student, I need to learn from the master. The student is not higher or regarded more so than the master. And here is the master of the universe on his knees washing the disciples' feet, which is disgusting. Well, one of the, oh yeah, because they walk everywhere. They're walking everywhere. They're wearing sandals. And uh, I can only imagine, I've thought about this before, you know, him coming up to the servant. It's the lowliest job, Carter. The person whose job it was, if you were coming into a home and it's like, okay, you would respectfully offer to help the person wash their feet or whatever. Um that would have been a nasty role. It, it wasn't even like a normal slave. It was like the lowliest position slave would be given that task. Mm-hmm. And so you imagine the face of that guy when Jesus comes over and says, I got this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and th- I didn't even think about that. That's re- that's really interesting to think about. The The other thing that you know we had talked about yesterday is he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So he's washing Judas Judas's feet. Mm-hmm. knowing that Judas is the one that's going to betray him. And we we got into that a, a little more just about he didn't do it in any sort of snarky way. He didn't right. kick Judas out before. He still washed his feet. And the fact that he was serving even somebody who would abandon him and betray him was yeah. amazing. You know, we look at Judas Iscariot, and, and we had mentioned this yesterday in the podcast, and if you're listening and it's only been a few minutes, uh, did a little more research. Iscariot, more than likely, I mean, there's different philosophies, theologies, if you will, as to why his name was Iscariot. Um, but the, the most, uh, I think most people, uh, scholars agree that it, it had to do with where he was from, which was an area in Judah, from Judah, and uh, it was just what his name actually was, Judah. Um, but when it is spoken in Greek would be Judas and it ish Kerioth, I think is, is the name of the place. So if you are ish, it's from Kerioth is the city. I believe that's correct. So it sounds like Iscariot, but uh, you know, you think of Judas Iscariot, you think of this evil person. Well, he was a person he yeah. was from a place. He was from his parents' town, you know, yeah. that's where he was from. And, and Jesus saw that he knew that this was his friend. Um, that allowed deception to rule over this moment in time of his life, was about to anyway. And Jesus actually said the words, it would be better if he had never been born. It's not because he thinks this guy should go out and die. I truly believe he said that because Judas, he knew what Judas was going to do after it was all said and done. And he knew that he was going to remove himself from a situation instead of accepting the grace that would have been his. It would have been his through forgiveness had he confronted Jesus and said, I am sorry that I've done this to you. And we know through what Jesus has forgiven in our own lives that Jesus would have forgiven him of that. But Judas removed himself from this planet 
before he had the chance. Um, so yeah, he, he washes the disciples' feet and he's basically telling them, you need to be about this kind of stuff, serving each other, mm-hmm. removing yourself from thinking, oh, I should be seated at the top part of the table. I, I need to put myself at the bottom of the table. And if somebody invites me to the top place, great. Then I won't be embarrassed if I, you know, remove from that top position and put at the, the bottom yeah, of the table true. later. That's true. The the first shall become last. Exactly. The and, um I was kind of looking looking here in in Mark, and you know, this is where he says, Receive this, this is this is my body. Hmm. And um I yeah, I uh, instantly think of because as a kid, you don't really quite get it. And yeah, it's your body. It's, what? What? And then you see the passion of the Christ and mm. my goodness, you know, even, yeah. even some of the stuff that before the cross was what really got to me of, um, the cat of nine tails and, you know, what they did to his back and that, that even could have been lethal, honestly. Sure. It's a shock that he didn't die there. Yeah. Um, and then to, I mean, you know, the, the brutality of the cross aside, having to carry it on your back after that happened. I mean, if you ever really had a a really bad burn, you know, and you don't want anything to rub against that, could you imagine your flesh being removed and then having to carry something and then also having to be nailed to it in that, you know, wood that's I'm sure not smooth is all like, I I just cannot even imagine. And more than likely bones exposed. Yeah. Because that's the kind of damage that that whip did. I mean, the Romans were experts at, at, suffering Mm -hmm. and the word um excruciating comes from crucio which sounds like crucifix doesn't it because it was i mean it's all from that same um etymology it's just it yeah it's it's almost unbearable to watch but he bared it for us and so i you know every year we try pulling out at least some some form of that representation i don't think anything grips my heart the way the passion of the christ did mm. uh because it, it was very accurate in terms of uh of what would have happened to to christ and a lot of people when that film came out were like no it wouldn't have been like that and from what the experts i mel gibson to his credit did a lot of research uh-huh. and f- everything we know about the romans they knew how to hurt people and to keep people alive as long as possible so that they would truly experience what torture was. Uh, so it was agony, yeah. pure agony, what happened to him. Uh, a, a kind death, in fact, what they would offer to Roman citizens and what would ultimately be um, the way that Paul the Apostle was martyred would be beheading because it's over quickly. Mm. And that was what they would offer to Roman citizens uh, if, you know, they were put on death row, per se. But, um, yeah, he, when he said, this is my body, it, it was a symbol in that moment. Uh, this is my blood. You know, they're sitting there. They are eating a Passover meal and so much symbolism in that meal. I mean, the blood was drained completely from the animal. Uh, it was not kosher to eat anything with blood in it and so they would to hang the ups the animal upside down they would drain it from the blood they use that blood to put over the doorpost of their home and now this representation this new symbolism of blood this covering over your body your personal 
temple and in that God's grace would cover that and death would have to pass over. We are no longer eternally damned. Through Jesus Christ, we have salvation. You know, that's what the symbolism was. And so this is communion. And it's fun because the last couple of Sundays, you know, we're in this quarantine situation uh, with COVID-19 right now. If you're listening in the future, it's where we are in 2020. And uh, we're watching these sermons online, and we've been invited a couple of times to grab communion. Well, usually that's something that the church will offer to you, either in you know, those little plastic cups, uh-huh. or perhaps you're in the services where you go to the front and you you drink from the cup. But uh, my, my little boy has rushed to the kitchen. One time our, our juice was orange juice. Nice. One time it was raspberry tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at one point he was like, hey, could we do, he was cookies, really? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have to have some semblance. You drew the line. Of, we can't do cookies. Something sweet, yeah. But yeah, so goldfish crackers, some sun chips have sufficed, but whatever it is that it, to take that moment, and he said to do this in remembrance of me. It was the first communion there, and that's why we practice this. Uh, if you if you're new to church, and you're like, what is this whole communion thing? It's remembering what happened that night, yeah. When he tells his disciples, and he's been warming them up for a while here, Carter. I mean, you read in chapters ahead of this particular section of scripture where he's about to lay down everything. He told them, "The Son of Man will be taken. He will die." But three days later. He will rise up and he's telling them straight up, but they're like, what? Yeah. They didn't really get it. I I want to, um, you know, there's two things here that I want to do before we leave the, you know, the body bread, uh, the blood wine, um, topic is I want to point out, you know, why that's so important, um, here in a second, but I'm going to, I don't know. I I guess it's a question I know the answer to. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I don't really have a good answer for. It's really tough to explain. And maybe that's just where it lands. But if I am talking to somebody who's not a believer in Jesus and I say, you know, here's why Jesus did for this. He died for our sins. Well, well, why? Well, because it was a debt that we couldn't pay. So in our place, because he was perfect, he, um, you know, he died and he could handle it and, and he rose again. Otherwise we would be eternally separated from God. And they, I just, you know, you think about the the hardest question that might be asked in that situation is, well, why? Mm-hmm. Well, I, don't, I don't really, what do you mean? I just explained it. No, but why? Why can't God just say, it's okay, I forgive you? Yeah. Um. Well, because he can't, because he's just, I don't really know. I don't really know how to break that down to layman's terms. What would you say? I'd say he can't go against his character, his nature. You know, there's a few things that God can't do. I was reminded that through a message the other day. He can't lie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he can't sin, he can't oppose who he is. And if God is just, I mean, we're not even talking about, oh, well, the acts, the character qualities of God, it means he is just. No, he is justice. He is love. Mm-hmm. He is these things that we know every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if we understand what justice looks like, it's only because God is just and if his character tells us, I mean, you go into a courtroom situation and somebody has committed a crime, a good judge can't let anybody go scot-free. And God, being a good judge, is the same way. But he said, here's the thing. It's a debt you can't pay, and I know that. Mm-hmm. You can't take on the sin of the world. But guess what? I can. The only way 
that I can get around this. My loophole is if I take it on myself because I can't be near sin. So this has to die if you're going to be with me. But I can take that punishment that you can't deal with on your own. I can take that on myself. Mm. And if I crucify that, if I kill that. But here's the thing is that he, he didn't stay dead, that he rose. And that's such an incredible representation of new life in Christ. Well, in so re- we, yeah, well, uh, I was just going to say, so we die to sin ourselves and we rise up in new life through him. So that's why he had to die. And it is an incredible question. It does. What does it? He should be able to snap his fingers. You know, if Thanos can do it. Well, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have wonderful ideas of what true heroism should be and look like and what it can be. But to be selfless and perfect is exactly that's what Jesus did. He took it on himself. Well, Nobody and, else paid the debt. And a couple of things here in regards to what the world believes. And, you know, well, I'm, you know, because Satan will twist truth, right? Well, I'm a pretty good person and I know God loves me and I know I've done a lot of good things. So, okay, well, let's just break that down. Maybe you are a, quote, good person in the world's eyes. And, um, yeah, God does love you. Um, but there is this this point right here of we're always going to do more bad in our whole lifetime than we are good. And so if you want to go by the scale method, you know, you get to heaven and hopefully you did 51% good. I mean, it's just because if a, if a thought is evil, there's no way any of us have done more good than done bad. And so you talk about what only God can do and that's that's what he's yeah. doing. And and that's why these the, these things right here yeah. of of the bread and the wine representing the body and the blood, it is different from any other way of thinking religion in in the world yeah and if you if it's somebody that says we're all going to the same place or you know it's every religion's kind of the same no this is radically different every other religion is you have to try to be good enough and pray enough this is here's my body and my blood i'm doing this for you i'm asking i'm telling you believe it and that's Mm -hmm. it if you ever want solid good, amazing, factual proof. Lee Strobel is a great source Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, because this guy was an atheist and he looked at everything from a very analytical point of view. And when his wife gave her life to the Lord, uh, he was like, what are you doing? In fact, he was pretty sure, yeah, our marriage is not going to last. And every single day she prayed and prayed. Uh, Ezekiel, there's this passage about turning your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, that his cold stone heart would turn into this this heart of understanding what love looks like and what it, and would be able to perceive who Jesus really is. And he goes out on this quest and he's going to prove that Jesus he said the the crux of Christian faith, what we really put all all our eggs in this basket is that Jesus died and rose from the dead. If he mm-hmm. can prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead, you know, if he could prove that this never happened, then he'd be able to get his wife back on track, you know, in his way of thinking. And he goes and he talks to all these scholars and he's a reporter. So he has the, you know, he has contacts. He knows who to talk to. He knows how to do good investigative reporting. And what he comes up with is he's like, it would take more faith on my part to not believe Mm. that Jesus was, is, and is to come. That Jesus was who he said he was. I mean, this is, this is real. 
And so I, I love hearing it from that point, that stance. I am one of those people who doesn't necessarily need it in black and white and have it from an, an analytical mind. I'm more of a feeler. Uh, but it's yeah. great to know that that's all there. Well, and that's the thing is I love Lee Strobel for that. And yeah, The Case for Christ is a great, I think it's still on Netflix. It's a great movie. Oh, it's um, a great movie, yeah. It's, um, it's, I feel, I'm a person that I get a little bit of that, Rochelle, the feeling and like, I know what God's done for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to have the answers ready for somebody yes. that is like that because yes. I they're not going to receive it if I say, well, you know, I prayed for this I and then the next day it. it happened and I yeah. felt it. And it's mm-hmm. it's like a believer will know what you mean, but somebody who, the most cynical person will go, that's 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 a load oh, of baloney. I'm not going to believe that. You're absolutely right. And you're so absolutely that's, right. that's that's why Lee Strobel's uh, the Lee Strobel's of the world are are so important. Yeah, they really are. Uh and because I was raised in a different type situation than that potentially that cynic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you're talking to. I was raised in a Christian home. And so truth was around me. I I because it was so present because my my family sought after the presence of the Lord daily. And, mm-hmm. you know, he is omnipresent. He's everywhere. They would tap into that presence. I felt that peace because of what my parents did for me. I had that covering, you know. But my my best friend in college didn't necessarily have the same experiences. And I remember telling her, sometimes you have to just stop thinking about it and be so cerebral with this and just start letting faith take over and feel it. And that freaked her out. She did not appreciate that. She would have appreciated much better like, give me some facts here, Rochelle. So I didn't have enough in in my back pocket Here's to go one. and have that full-on conversation. And it's okay if that's where you're at. It's okay to tell that friend, you know what? Let me do a little bit of research. I would love to get back with you and talk with you about yeah. this. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't yeah. pretend to know everything and just, you know, because this is this is where we can go into a bad place, too, and get defensive and say, well, you're just stupid if you don't believe. <laughs> don't do that. Well, here's one. You want one for your back pocket, one before we, we move on here, because I know we have, you know, the rest of this dinner and then the, the night in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but the that 500 people, there were 500 yeah. witnesses that saw Jesus after he had died on the cross. Yes. They saw him walking around. There's 500 people that, that you know, those were all recorded. And that's always one I cling to if somebody's like, well, how do you even know that he rose again? Well, there you go. You got, I mean, that many people laying eyes on somebody that was a public figure yeah. and that knew that he had died on the cross when obviously many people had witnessed that too. Um, so there's 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 one for you if you ever want one for your back pocket. So. I, I do love that one. Lee Stro- that's one of Lee Strobel's. He, he, when he checked in with like an actual police detective, like how many witnesses do you need to corroborate a story and mm-hmm. to make it like even presentable in a judge to courtroom situation? Like they 500 people more than suffice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More than. Yeah. <laughs> more than suffice. So, uh, yeah, this this incredible evening filled with symbolism Filled with, I mean, Jesus didn't just go in willy-nilly with like, hey, here's a cup of wine. Let's drink this and this is going to represent blood. Mm -hmm. No, like blood was so already a part and woven into their culture in terms of what that meant for what took place during Passover, you know, and then bread. There was always bread in the temple, there were loaves of bread always in the temple, in that holy place of the temple. I mean, this this was very much something that they would have been familiar with. And, and now here Jesus is saying, this is me. Mm. And I'm about to lay it all out for you. 
And then he tells them, you know, and one of you is going to betray me. And they all at this point kind of start freaking out. Like, well, what are you talking about? Is is it me? Is it me? And then he he looks at Judas and says, you need to do what you need to do quickly. Mm. And so um, this was after communion. And this is after his feet have been washed. And he's he's taken part in this um, this incredible ministry. And Judas goes to do what he's going to do. But Simon Peter is just really like, I would never. Yeah ever betray you lord and jesus tells him at this point he's like peter there's going to be a time tonight where you betray me i would die before that would happen and then perhaps you know the famous part of the story where he says peter before the the rooster crows in the morning tomorrow you're going to say you don't know me three times which, you know, he's incredulous at. How is that even a thing? Is this my best friend? This is a person whose ministry not only I've followed, I've been a part of. He's actually imparted power to me so that I can go out and do the things that he's done. Miracles? This, what are you talking about? This is so preposterous. Perhaps you've been in that position. You could never even see yourself in, in, in a role that would betray somebody that you love. And then you'll find yourself a couple uh, weeks down the road and if you've allowed yourself to let fear come into your relationship or anything that's uh, the enemy would love to just stir up in you, you can see how easy it is to like, I'll get in a, a little argument with my husband here. I love this man. I've devoted my life in, in covenant to this man. He is my husband before the Lord, you know, and we've committed ourselves to each other for our children, not just ourselves. And but some stupid thing happens and I'll go off on him. And yeah, I remember when we first got married, I'll always take your side. You know, that's mm-hmm. the way <laughs> mm-hmm. something comes in between the two of you. And what happens? You get defensive. You start doing things that you're not proud of. You later have to turn around, hopefully, and apologize for it, repentant of that attitude. But I mean... If it's true for us, certainly it's true for what happened with Peter. Well, and it you know? says there in Mark, I mean, again, I've been going through Mark anyway, so I skipped ahead here a chapter um, from where I was, and uh, it's Mark 14, 31. And, you know, what what this says, all the others repeated the same thing that Peter's saying. And, of course, we all know that they they scattered, mm-hmm. you know, later this this evening. Yeah. And I think it's a, con- it's a, it's a common Christian problem, especially if you grew up in the youth group and all that, Peter is relying on his own strength for this. Mm-hmm. He, Peter's saying, no, I will not because I'm so passionate and I know myself and I'm and, you know, this is so common with, OK, I need to read my Bible more or I need to stay pure before marriage and I'm just going to try harder and do better. And it's that pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality and I just won't allow myself to go there and I'll just train myself like I'm in the military or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what we, we do to ourselves. We don't rely on God's strength. Yeah. And that's that's what Peter and, and honestly, I'm I'm relieved in reading something like this. If, if Peter does that, then obviously I would have done the same thing of nope, nope, I'm too good. And I'm and right before we kind of toot our own horn a little bit. Uh, that's that maybe is when we stumble and and clearly he did later this evening. And so it's a good reminder for me, you know, currently rely on God's. I am weak. Rely on God's yeah. strength. Peter was emotional. He yeah. was he was, yeah. was probably one of the reasons why he was one of Jesus's favorites, because he was all in. <laughs> that's true. 
That's right good. away, he was the first one to jump out of the boat during that storm and say, well, if it's you, tell me to walk out there. And he would, you know, he didn't think about it. He just jumped out, started walking. Then he started thinking about it. I was going to say, the faith was first, and then he started thinking, yeah. <laughs> then he started sinking. Yeah. There was another If you're thinking, where... you're sinking. <laughs> There's the saying. There you go. We got a, we got a saying now with that. Yeah. Uh, you remember that point uh, where Jesus asks his disciples, who, who have you heard people say that I am? And well, some say that you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Some say that you're Elijah. Some people say this. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter's the first to step up and say, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, it wasn't just a it wasn't just a whim, Peter. This isn't just emotion talking. Heaven told you this right now. And then in the next breath, it almost feels like because it's like literally like a couple of sentences away. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, you know, I'm I'm going to die soon. I'm going to be taken, and this is what's going to happen to me. And Peter's like, I will never let this happen to you. And so in one moment, Jesus is praising him for, hey, heaven told you something really special. And I don't know about you. I always feel good when people give me a compliment. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling it, right? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm stretching my, my spiritual muscles now. And that's what Peter does when he's like, no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Just as soon as he was kind of lifted up a bit on the pedestal, he was taken off that pedestal because Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, that was the first uh, instance that we read about of social distancing. Um, <laughs> no, actually, that was the Red Sea. Excuse me. Oh, the Red, that the Red that Sea was? parted. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But here he is again. He's emotional. He's irate. I would never do this. And once again, Jesus is like, honey, <laughs> sweet friend, child. One who I knit together in his mother's womb. I know you. And I know that right now you're passionate. But as you just said, later on the disciples would be scattered. When the shepherd is struck, the flock will scatter. And there would be a point in the future where Peter wouldn't scatter. There would be a point where Peter would be martyred for his Lord. But it wasn't that night. Mm. And so they, after a big meal, their tummies are full. There was a lot of stuff spoken. Some things were just completely puzzling to the disciples because the Holy Spirit had not yet become a part of their life. Like they were not being taught yet by his spirit. And so they couldn't completely understand and wrap around their their brain, everything mm-hmm. that was being shared, you know. And they go to the, the Garden of Gethsemane, which was this garden secluded in the, the Mount of Olives. It was a place that they had gone before, and Judas was familiar with that place. It's why he knew where to take the Roman soldiers later. But he specifically picks out his three go-tos. It's Peter, James, and John. And will you come away with me while we pray? Just pray with me. And I, I know what that feels like. You know, I... My kids, Carter, maybe you were this way when you were young. They don't like being in a room by themselves, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when they were little. You know, they always wanted somebody else in the room. It's just there's comfort in having somebody else in the room. And if you're in the midst of quarantine right now and you're isolated and you don't have anybody, you you really know what I'm talking about. It's lonely. And Jesus was feeling alone and just having that physical presence there to know that they would be praying. Uh, But they fell asleep. And he went to them three times during this heartfelt, agonizing prayer, you know, that we've talked about before where a condition, in fact, I, I looked it up here. It's a condition called, oh my word, it's in Greek. <laughs> it's, it's, this, it's a condition that, honestly, hemat- hematidrosis, 
Maybe that's Latin. I don't know. It's a condition that only occurs in individuals who are in a highly emotional state. And what it does is the mind is under such great mental and emotional pressure. It, quote, sends signals of stress throughout the body. And they become so strong, the the body reacts as if it's under actual physical pressure. And the result is the first and second layer of your skin separate, cause a vacuum, and blood seeps from this vacuum and oozes through the pores of your skin. So that's the really mm. medical way of saying he sweat blood. He was under, and I've never done that in my life. And I felt, I felt agony before. And any woman who's ever, you're about to see Kelsey, you know, labor yeah. and give birth to your son. I don't think a pregnant woman has ever had this happen. I've never read an account of that. So like we're talking the most unbelievable pressure for this to happen to a human person. Well, he says here in the the translation I'm reading in Mark 14, 34, he said to them, the, the three that he took with him, my heart is overwhelmed with anguish and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so he he is where he is. And, and one thing that I want to point out, this is really my main point of the whole garden thing. And then, you know, we'll we'll obviously good news, good news ahead with tomorrow's yeah. episode at the end of the tomorrow's episode. Um, but I love that he says in verse 36, my Abba, my father, all things are possible for you. Please don't allow me to drink this cup of suffering. Yet what I want is not important. I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. And it encourages me greatly. Uh, we were talking about prayer a couple of weeks ago. And sometimes if, um, uh, let's just say, for example, it's in the news. Let's just say I was, I contracted coronavirus and my mind can kind of go to, well, that's it. Now I just need to, you know, to get over it and it'll take a few days to recover. And, and yet here's Jesus knowing that this has been the plan to save mankind. And he still took the time to pray and say, okay, if there is any other way, I know that you hear me and I know that all things are possible. And in that, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, um, you know, God, there's been instances of God changing his mind. And this was not one where he changed his mind. It's right. um, the, the plan was this. And so that's where Jesus, it, it's okay to go to God and say, is there any other way? But ultimately, what do you, Father, what do you desire? And I will fulfill it. And what he desires is always best. Yeah. I mean, you've, yeah. we talked earlier about, well, if God can do anything, then why couldn't he? Well, he can do anything that is in his will to do. And like, again, he can't contradict who he is. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. Well, and he's going to make the best choice, right? He is. So Rochelle, you'll love this. It makes me think, spoiler alert, it makes me think of Avengers Infinity War, where Doctor Strange is going through the 14 million different possibilities <laughs> that they could do to beat the evil Thanos. Uh-huh. And it turns it's a out second Thanos reference, by the way, in this that's ex- well, that's exactly. Monday Thursday I podcast. We, I think we had one yesterday too. <laughs> this is I mean, hey, we're not the experts. We're telling you, we're just people, nerds, honestly. And so there's only one that will truly work, like mm-hmm. one that is the best possibility. And that's where they I won't spoil the rest of it. That's where they go on. There's only one possibility where it works. Yeah. And and that that to me is is this was God's plan. This was the one. Could he have worked it out any other way? Well, sure, he's God, but this was the best option yes. 
that he chose to go with. And because it was the best, it was the only one. Yeah. Yeah. You could say it that. Was Absolutely. The only one. Yeah. And I mean, he, yeah, he could have, he could have called it down all of his angels right in that moment and gone back to be in the presence of his father, but he would have gone alone. Mm-hmm. He would have gone mm-hmm. without us. And so there, mm-hmm. it wasn't an option for him in knowing that he was like, this is the only way this can work. So it's not about my will right now. It's about what your will is and what we know to be the right way to go. So I, I think that's incredible for our, for us. It's like, Lord, yes, I want your best. If I want your best, then I need to pray your will be done. But I should certainly ask. Yeah. We're allowed to petition. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, aligning with who he is. All right. Now, what's your best? Because that's what I truly want. I want your will to be done, Father. And I, I love that he calls him Abba. And he always references him as Father Abba, mm. Daddy. He wants us to know about the relationship that he has with God that can be ours through him. He wants us to know that that is who he is. And I, it's, a, it's, I think, um, probably the biggest part of this whole Easter week, this holy week, was probably accomplished in terms of like where he would be in the garden. Like his emotional state, that had to be conquered first before Calvary. Because we see that, like you just said, there was agony. It was the very human part of Jesus struggling with all of this. And then when he comes to a place of, all right, not my will, but your will. He stands, he goes, he checks on the disciples. Once again, they've fallen asleep. And that is when the torches are seen, Mm. which we talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we know that up to 600 guys who had been in training with the Roman militia were there this band of soldiers, not just them, but then the temple guards, which would have also undergone Roman training. So this was this huge group of people. What really fascinates me about this part is that Judas says, I'm going to betray him with a kiss. He doesn't say it like that. I will betray him with a kiss. <laughs> yeah. No, he just, this is how you're going to know him. And he goes and he kisses Jesus, which is this incredible personal, like only brothers would do type of greeting and so that's just detestable you know and then one of the guards says are you jesus of nazareth and he says i am Hmm. and then the the first time that we hear god describe who he is as i am is with moses right in that moment the scriptures tell us i think it's in the book of john that the guards, and when it's interpreted through the Greek wording, they would have fallen back and were knocked off their feet when he says, I am. Huh. And it, in that moment, it's like the power of the great I am, the almighty. It was so evident that this was not a normal captive. I could go at any moment, but I am choosing to go with you. Yeah. This was not like you're going to force me with your 600 piddly soldiers. <laughs> yeah. I am going to do this because I have purposed myself to walk in line with the will of the Father. 
And I was I was really blown away when I was reading about that, the the translation of the Greek. And it's like, yeah, you, you see those impact moments in movies where something is devastated by uh, like an impact, like a bomb or something like that. And boom, it goes out across the, the fields and you see how it can devastate nature even. This would have thrown the soldiers back. And uh, of course they pulled out, if they hadn't already pulled out their swords after that. This was not something that they'd ever encountered before. And we know that Peter, at one point, he is ready to defend Jesus. And he strikes for the head and misses and hits the ear of one of the, the guards. And Jesus tells him, people who live by the sword, Peter, die by the sword. And he heals the ear of that guard. And there's another story. It's like, I want to talk to the servant who would have washed the disciples' feet that night. And I want to talk to the ear guy. The ear guy. I want to talk yeah. to the ear guy. I, uh, I, it would have been so hard as there's a there's a reason none of us were Jesus except for Jesus um I you know that feeling where you know that you're right let's even say I think we've talked about this before actually where um you know you're right your way at work is the best way and the other your coworker, your boss or whoever is like no 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 that's not gonna work we're gonna do it this way and you're like okay yeah we'll see yeah mm-hmm. um I don't know how gee the the patience the control Jesus is like, I, I could beat up everybody right now. I could, (laughs) okay, you know, I'm choosing to go with you and you're going to slap me in the face and you're going to say these things. Like, do you realize what I could do to you? Like, and he didn't ever have that pompous attitude. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What an incredible stance. For his, and it would have had to have been a practice his whole life long because he was without sin. That's not something you learn overnight. That is constant daily going into the presence of your father mm-hmm. and and talking to him. Because yeah, I I know me instantly. Somebody says something, I oh my word, Carter, you know from firsthand experience how defensive I can. Amen. Get. Okay, calm <laughs> it down. See, see, calm I just down. got defensive. Yeah, but yeah, I. I I think you're right on the money. It's It was an incredible person that they beheld that night. I think they would have, some of them responded, I think they would have been afraid of him. And because, and how do we react when we're afraid? How do bullies react when they're afraid? Yeah, they, they act they like lash they're out. tougher. Yeah, yeah. So, they, I mean, that's, uh, we know that he was beat up, brutally beaten, mm. um, and then taken before Pilate. And that's, you know, we're getting into tomorrow with Good Friday. But we know that how it ended in the garden was the disciples had gone with him into the garden, but they did not leave it with him. Yeah. They scattered. And in fact, one of them was just wearing, uh, I guess, his PJs. So that would have been like a light tunic or something, one of the undergarment type pieces. Because uh, he was getting cozy for the night. He's like, oh, man, I ate a lot of bread. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they ate well. It was Passover meal. And he ran into the night naked when the guards tried to grab him because all they could grab was his cloak. Yeah. That's all he was wearing. And I'm like, how afraid do you have to be? Yeah. Well, and especially in this day of age where people could get it on camera, man, you'd have to be terrified. (laughs) (laughs) But they were terrified. And you talk about needing proof how and what happened between that night and all of the days ahead of them where the disciples would each of them give their life for the king of kings. 
This has been an incredible episode, even a little longer than we usually do. So we're going to pick up there There's a lot tomorrow. of stuff to talk about. It's a, a big, lot big more day. left. Yeah, yeah it's going to be incredible. And we know where it ends. Let's walk through together the next part uh, tomorrow. We'll be back. Thanks for spending some time with us. Rochelle, any last words? Happy Monday, Thursday. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>